Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring CuriosityStream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. At less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your homie volunteers were achieving in New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet to make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. This is Pamela Clark, director of the show and of the New Heights Educational Group. Welcome back. Um, I'm going to be covering another um, day of news from around the U.S. When in regards to education, whether it's homeschooling, uh, public school, or whatever. So, um, so I'll be sharing some different um, articles and updates of things that I know of that are going on, and I hope that it helps you. Okay, so we're going to jump right into it today. And uh, the first thing we're going to discuss is something that happened in Coatesville area um, in Pennsylvania. This was published by Lancaster Online, uh, which is LancasterOnline.com. And on October 23rd, and the title of it is Coatesville Area Board Discuss Home Education Programs for Homeschool Students. Now that alone, that title alone should send off alarm bells in your head. (laughs) Because anytime a school board is talking about home education programs, or, or if they're talking about how to reach them or how to create distance learning or whatever that is, that is not homeschool. You know, that they might try to package it, package it, okay, and make it look like it, but it, it's not. So anyways, this school board engaged in a lively discussion regarding its policy on home education programs for students living in the district during its October 12th policy committee meeting. According to the current district policy, homeschool students are permitted, hear that word? Permitted to attend the Technical College High School at Brandywine Campus. Quotation, quote, 
quoting, okay? I have a problem with continuing to allow homeschool students to attend TCHS with school districts paying for it in the financial turmoil we're in, said board president Robert Fisher, noting concern over additional tra transportation costs required for homeschooled students. Alarm bells, anybody? This should upset you. This should upset you that he has the nerve to say this. Because when a student is homeschooled, unlike in a charter school, they are still paying taxes in those school districts. They should have access to anything they darn well please because their tax money are paying these people's salaries. This, this is just not good. Not good that this Robert Fisher thinks that he has a right to stipulate this. Fisher emphasized multiple times throughout the meeting that the discussion which ensued around the topic was only to begin writing policy and not would not be voted on at the board meeting, no immediate changes would be made. Well, whoopity-doo. Brenda George, Director of Pupil Services and Special Education said nine homeschooled students are participating in the programming. George recommended that policy revisions allow TCHS students to complete the remainder of their program, the board concurred with her recommendation. We have some students that are transferred home. Some students drive to the campus to get to the bus. Some students drive to TCHS, but we have a couple of students that are taken to their houses, okay? So Fisher expressed his belief that the transportation service being offered to homeschool students was not equitable with the transportation offered to students enrolled full-time in the district. Again, tax money. Hello? A parent has the right to homeschool their children, so this is not about a parent's choice, Fisher said. This is about what's economically and educationally correct for the students that currently attend our high school. Wow. Board member Amelia Mills said, it breaks our hearts when we have to cancel a program because we don't have money. Have they taken a raise anytime recently? How much is their salary? Because I can guarantee you they're making more than the, the, the teachers providing the service. Hmm. So, do those families have a right to pull their taxes back? And say they, because they're homeschooled, they don't want to have to pay taxes, right? But no, they want, they want the money, but it's not economically or educationally correct. Hmm. Okay. Hopefully, people in the community are, are fighting for their rights. 
Another board member, Andrew Pinkmoner, voiced his concern with the discontinuing the opportunity for homeschooled students to enroll in TCHS. If, and he says, if there's an opportunity to enhance a child's education, I feel that we should allow it. Allow it, allow it, allow, okay? Who's in charge of your children? These people, oh, I, I don't know about you, but this is very disturbing that they think they have these rights. Okay, so um, another one, this is this is, off the school bus um, a few days ago. Okay, a second, sorry. Father this is another one that I'm gonna actually play for you so you can hear it. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a rundown. This, the voice that you're gonna hear that I'm gonna play is Representative Fine. And he is, and I didn't know who he was, I had to look him up. He is Randy Fine, he's an American Republican politician and former gambling industry executive who was first elected in Florida House of Representatives from the 53rd District in 2016. Okay, so this is from, from him, and he is speaking and telling about what happened to a young girl in uh, public school. Sorry. Her father saw her, and she was wearing a mask. Now, in my school district, we have an illegal mask. But she was wearing a mask even though even under their own illegal mask mandate rules, she shouldn't have to. But it wasn't enough that she was wearing a mask because she suspected nonverbal Down syndrome child. And by the way, three weeks earlier, the school district had called the parents and said, your daughter's taking her shoes off in school, but you help us to make sure she keeps her shoes on. So they were willing to call about that. When um, her father saw her get off the school bus, she was wearing a mask, and it was tied around her head with nylon rope. The mask was was full of saliva. The girl couldn't breathe. Father's furious. How could they do that to my daughter today? So he went to the school, and he talked to the school, and he found out they didn't do it that day. They had tied this mask around her face every single day for the previous six weeks that she was in school. They just forgot to take it off that day before they sent her. So when the parent said, what on earth were you thinking to the teacher and to the principal, their answer was the school board told us that our students all had to wear masks. There's a special place in hell for the three people who did this to this girl. This girl experienced real child abuse at the hands of the Brevard County School Board. And I will tell you this, this session, there's gonna be hell to pay for the people. Seeing no further business, Vice Chair Belton. When she got off this- Wow, right? Is your bud blood boiling yet?
is for me. A lightning strike. <laughs> that, I'm laughing. It's not funny. But what do you say? Do you laugh or you cry, right? If I was that parent, I would sue them for everything they had. How awful. And I can guarantee she's not the only one that this is happening to. Because I've heard of a lot of other stories where kids are being traumatized. And yes, it's child abuse. Traumatized by these mask mandates. Vaccine mandates. And this is in Florida where they removed the mandate and it's still happening. Parents have to be involved in every way they can. You know, I almost think that, you know, they don't want parents, they haven't wanted parents for a very long time to to walk their children even in past the first day of school or even on the first day of school in some places, whether it's preschool, kindergarten, they keep parents at arm's length, but if anything goes wrong, it's the parents' fault. Parents aren't doing enough at home. The parents aren't active enough. But, you know, now we have all these parents that want to be active or really trying to to support their their children, trying to make sure that the children get a fair education and they're having them arrested, calling the police on them, calling the FBI on them. So all along, it makes you wonder, really? It was never about that. It's the illusion. It's more money. Let's throw more money at the problem because it's all about money. We don't have enough money to teach these kids. And yes, it takes some money, but it's not the kind of money the public school gets. And then for them, for compulsory schools, I should compulsory schools to make the kind of money they do and they don't even educate our kids. Appalling. Appalling people. So, again, lightning strikes. <laughs> we wish. So, anyways, um, there's another interesting article that uh, someone, see who it was, it was from uh, Star Tribune, and this was published October 29th, and um, Star Tribune, I'm not sure really where it's out of. I am not sure. So, anyways, um but you can see this article by going to startribune.com, and it's titled, Ewan, What's Behind the Bump in Black Homeschooling? So Skylar Edmond, age nine, um, enjoyed meeting a hero, a Pomeranian owned by Kiona Fox. They are part of Black Homeschool Scholars with Swag a Twin Cities support group for Black homeschool families. So last year, um, 
survival, Mandika helped two of her daughters, Samantha and Selena, with remote learning. And unlike, well, she, let's see, I'm going Okay, um, the challenge of being her children's teacher strengthened her, she said. And Medika began to imagine the possibility of educating all three of her young children, even after the traditional schools reopened for good. She said that it gave her a perspective on what homeschooling could be. And she lives in Shakopee. The, pand the pandemic showed us we could actually do it. This fall, Mandika stopped sending her daughters to a private Christian school and decided to homeschool her kids, giving her more autonomy over their learning. The COVID-19 era was fueled, has fueled an explosion in homeschooling across the nation. In Minnesota, nearly 31,000 students were registered with the state as being homeschooled in 2020 to 2021 school year about a 50% increase from the previous year. Isn't that amazing? A national survey conducted by the US Census Bureau suggests that the recent surge in homeschooling is especially strong among black families. It's unclear if that trend is playing out in Minnesota because state education officials do not track homeschool students by race. But the national rise in Black homeschooling is not a mystery to the members of the Black Homeschool Scholars with FLAG, an informal community of Twin City parents and their homeschooled kids who meet weekly for socializing and support. I stumbled upon them in Theodore Worth Regional Park one morning as the kids and teens were embarking on a cow-eating contest. Um, when the group first met a couple of years ago at a, a, a library, the moms were seated in a circle detailing their children's experience in traditional school settings. There was something traumatic that happened to a lot of us, said co-founder Ray Eric Cabot, who we were just exhausted. How many of you feel that way? How many of you are just fed up and exhausted? New on Curiosity Street, Louis B. Mayer, Jack Warner, William Fox. Hollywood was the city of dreams, but the beginnings were a nightmare. You will never work in this town again! It's Titans, the rise of Hollywood. And Merapi, one of the world's most active volcanoes. Can we better predict its next deadly eruption? A new expedition hunts for life-saving answers on exploring the volcano. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. They spoke of racism at school, bullying by other students, policies that favored white families and bias among teachers. Black students are suspended at far greater rates than white students, and Minnesota has historically struggled with the discipline dis disparities across race. Now, I can't speak to that because I don't live in Minnesota. Um, I kind of want to make something clear of how I have seen it over the years um, of serving families. I, I, I want to be careful because I, I want to relate what I mean and, and not be misunderstood. 
But what I have seen is it's it's really it's been more targeted at poor families. I mean, I live in a prominently white area. There there really are not many black students, and I don't you know. I don't, I, I don't like that where they say like black, white, black and white is not a race. So they talk about race, but white is a color and black is a color, but an individual is much more than a color. You know, you, you have an ethnicity. Okay. So to me, I, I don't like some of the terminologies, as I'm sure many of you don't either, but I see great bias and disparities between certain peoples, but it's not in color necessarily. It could be, but it's not always that way. It's it's more a certain type of people that it seems that the government has targeted that keep them down. And what do I mean by that? I'll give you an example. Um, and you can check this out for yourself. And, and maybe you even know that this is happening. So just pick any state at all. So let's say, I, I, I live in Ohio. So let's say, um, check out what Columbus, Ohio schools get, you know, compared to Cincinnati. I mean, you got to look at the number of students as well. But I'm talking about the school system. Um, how much do the high schools make? Or even if it's, even if they're down the road from each other, let's say it's a smaller school. I challenge you to compare maybe what your city to the next city makes. Because I know for a fact, and I have reports, that there are some places, many places, that will see, receive, and I'm not talking about just thousands, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of difference for the same number of students less than 30 minutes down the road. And it's in the poorer areas, poorer areas get less money than those that live in the wealthier areas. And those, the ones that aren't from wealthy families, okay, or um, that don't have, that aren't, that are not stuck in compulsory schooling. I, I'll even go that far. So if, if they, it's the poorer ones, the ones that are already poor that are getting the less, the lesser amount, okay? So why is that? If there is not a reason to do it other than to keep a certain group of people down, then why would you be doing it? You know, I've asked myself all these questions. But see, I, I studied the educational system. 
I studied the history of the educational system. Compulsory. And there's some high schools in America that are doing a fantastic job of educating. But they're not compulsory schools if they are. Or they're not teaching what the others are. You, you need to pay attention. So what, what makes it different? Right? So there's an issue there for that whole this whole article that I started to share with you because and I'm sure now see when you're in it when when you're in a certain community I I can see to a point why they think that they're the only ones being targeted um and the, and the government has not, well, they've only helped to to make them feel that way as well. Because, you know, right now it's black against white and, and all this when it shouldn't be that way at all. And people that are doing that, they're doing it on purpose to cause division or they don't know their history. And public schools are not teaching the history. It's not true history. Okay? So, anyways, you can read the whole article by going through here. But I, I did, you know, I'm, ha I'm happy, very happy for these people that they're, they're taking on homeschooling. And I'm sure they're going to have a far better education than they would have. So, kudos to them really happy for him okay so anyways um let's let's take a look at west virginia i don't think we've discussed west virginia um so homeschool legal defense put out an article called why homeschooling keeps improving in west virginia that came out october 27th so um, in addition to recent legislative reforms west virginia homeschool families are also benefiting from an approved relationship with the State Department of Education. Last week, um, Michael Donnelly, who is a, a senior counsel and director of global outreach with Homeschool Legal Defense, joined John Kerry, who's a legislative liaison with the Christian Home Educators of West Virginia, known as CHEWV, and Kathy Krauss, president of West Virginia Home Educators Association, or WVHEA, in a meeting with the West Virginia Superintendent of Schools, W. Clayton Birch, and his staff to talk about homeschooling. Historically unfriendly toward home education, the State Department, the State Department of Education has become more supportive of homeschooling in recent years. This attitude was confirmed by Superintendent Birch, who says that he wants his department to serve all West Virginians. And kudos to him, that's wonderful. I, that's something you don't hear very often, is it? So we want all parents, this is a quote from him, we want all parents to know that we support them in seeking the best education for their kids whether that is in private, public, or homeschooling, Birch told us. We want people to have the information 
We want this agency to be a service agency and we serve everyone. For homeschoolers, the atmosphere in West Virginia has dramatically changed in a short time. So changes in the state house, um, they're reporting that there are numerous homeschooling parents serving in the legislature and the current chairs of the House and Senate education committees are homeschooling parents. More homeschool friendly laws have been passed in West Virginia than in any other state in the last seven years. So kudos to them, that's terrific. So Homeschool Legal Defense Administration along with their partners that I had just named have been effective in recommending and supporting the passage of at least five bills during the time period of the seven years. These bills have made homeschooling more accessible option for home or for West Virginia parents, excuse me, preparing the way for the rapid growth of homeschooling in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Data from the U.S. Census Bureau suggests that homeschooling has at least doubled since 2020. At least, I would, yeah, <laughs> at least. Examples of bills that have passed include the following. Reducing unnecessary bureaucracy when reporting to school districts, recognizing homeschool diplomas for the purpose of college admission and employment, empowering homeschool parents to certify academic progress for driver's license purposes, authorizing homeschool parents to issue work permits, and requiring public institutions to recognize homeschool transcripts. These achievements would not have been possible without numerous homeschool parents who determined that they would run for office and get elected. Senator Patricia Brucker, a homeschooling mom, her mother of five, serves as the chair of the Senate Education Committee. The vice chair of that same committee is Senator Robert Carnes, a homeschooling father of nine. The chair of the House Committee of Education is delicate Dr. Joe Ellington, who is also, who also homeschooled his children. This kind of service in state political office can be, can have tremendously positive impact and homeschool legal defense commends these individuals and all others who have served. So um, it goes on to cover some more uh, news. And, and just elaborating on the news, the freedom and information um, that at a recent meeting that Krauss and Kerry and I and the Michael Donnelly spoke with the staff over 90 minutes discussing a number of initiatives that the Department of Education is considering to improve the flow of information about homeschooling. One of those projects is a page on the WVDE website with information to help different groups to understand homeschooling, which is just fantastic. I really love seeing stuff like this. So if you live in West Virginia, lucky you. Um, just, uh, they're making some changes and we're seeing some growth there. So very happy to hear that. Some of the other articles I have, I think I shared on an earlier uh, podcast. Uh, let's see. 
here's one that I don't think we covered yet. Uh, this is a little bit older though. Um, it's from August of 2021. And, and it was um, regarding Newsom when he violated parent rights. So, um, in a set, now again, this is from August. A recent decision by a federal appeals court in favor of private schools should go a long way toward protecting homeschool freedom as well. Um, in the case of Brock versus Newsom, the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, um, in parentheses it says, yes, the one with the outsized liberal reputation, parentheses, has ruled in favor of five California parents who objected to having their children shut down during the COVID-19 pandemic. And person classes were suspended at both public and private schools by Governor Gavin Newsom. Parents representing students in both types of schools joined in the lawsuit against the state. The public school parents lost. The private school parents won. As Judge Daniel Collins wrote, Californians' forced closure of their private schools implicated a right that has long been considered fundamental under the applicable case law. The rights of parents to control their children's education and to choose their children's educational forum. So why is this important for homeschoolers that this happened? Homeschool legal defense reports, it's important because homeschooling is, is akin to private schools and in some states, such as California, homeschooling is conducted through private school exemption. This case could make a big difference in the near future with the increase in COVID-19 cases. It's entirely possible that Newsom and other governors could shut down in-person instruction again starting in the fall. Let's be clear, this is not the final ruling in this case, but the Ninth Circuit sent the case back to the trial judge to implement the appeals court's decision. The state could ask for the Apple, the Appellate decision, excuse me, to be viewed and bank, meaning a larger number of judges would rule on the case from the Ninth Circuit. If the decision stands, it will stand for the preposition, the proposition <laughs> that not only is there a fundamental right of parents to choose private school for their children, but also that there's a further limitation of the state's authority to regulate private schools. So it goes on to explore, you know, what was said and um, and really breaking down what had happened. So again, you may want to go to schoollegaldefense.org, look up Ninth Circuit or Newsom violates parents' parents' rights, excuse me, um, you may want to check that article out. Um, again, it, it's probably in one of our magazines. Our last one just came out um, on November 1st. So you may want to look it up in there, which is on our website under NHUG Ed Guide. Okay. All right. So... Okay, so now let's take a look at, uh, okay, this is from, 
this is from August as well. So we're going back in a, a little more time. And I got tons of articles that are more recent too, but these are just important things I kind of wanted to cover and share with you. Um, yeah. So anyways, um, this is from Homeschool Legal Defense again. And it says, pandemic disruption makes college application problematic. So after graduating from a homeschool program in Georgia, Catherine Wright applied for an admission at Purdue University Global, an accredited online university based in Florida. In response, she received a request for test results that she did not have and that are not legally required. Although Catherine had a valid high school diploma issued by Seton Home Study School, an online accredited private school, Catherine was told that she would have to provide Purdue University with standardized test scores from her high school years. But Catherine did not take standardized tests during the years for which scores were requested because Georgia law did not require her to do so. Georgia law requires parents to administer standardized tests every three years starting in the third grade, but testing is technically, technically no longer required after a student is above cost of at One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly Scholar Newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. New on Curiosity Stream. Have researchers figured out a mathematical formula for success? A clearer understanding of how success happens could lead us to change the rules. Gain a new perspective on getting ahead. It's science of success. And the U.S. won the space race, but not without help from the Nazis. They were just years ahead of us. Meet NASA's rocket scientists of the Third Reich on the moon landing and the Nazis. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Compulsory school age. Most students take college prep tests such as ACT or SAT in the final years of high school, but the College Board did not offer these exams during 2020. Since Catherine was over 16 when she completed the ninth grade, her mother did not administer a standardized test for her that year, and the COVID 19 pandemic prevented her from taking a college aptitude test such as ACT. Yeah. CLT or SAT during the 2019-2020 school year. When testing was waived for all homeschooled students by Governor Brian Kemp's executive order. Unable to provide Purdue the information they requested, Catherine contacted Homeschool Legal Defense Administration for assistance. They quickly wrote a letter on Catherine's behalf informing Purdue that Catherine's homeschool program met their requirements of Georgia law and explaining why she was not required to be tested during the years of which test results were requested. With turnaround, yay. To its credit, Purdue responded the next day, thanking us for clarifying Georgia law and prompting, promptly notifying Catherine that her high school education had been approved for admission to their program. Wow, that, isn't that great? Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back. Thanks. 
Hello again. Enjoy the new hype show on education. For more donate to our organization, please visit www.newhypeeducation.org. While you're there, check out our online store at e-hype-educational-news.myshopify.com. Hello, welcome back. This is Pamela Clark, and you're listening to the New Heights Show on Education, and we're going over news um, in education, so educational news from all around the U.S. and beyond um, as it comes up. So um, the next thing I wanted to share with you was actually from the Washington Informer.com. It's an old, older article as well. It's called Homeschooling Surge in D.C. Changes Educational Landscape. Um, the pandemic inspired, or in many cases, compelled families in D.C., metropolitan area, and beyond to cut ties with traditional school, the traditional school system. As a result of the dramatic departure, veteran homeschool parents like Elise Bernard became guides into a world that has been misunderstood and to a degree shunned for many years. As public and private, as public and public charter schools gear up for the return to in-person learning in the fall, excuse me, in the fall, Bernard says she continues to come across parents who out of concern about the current public health landscape want to either start or continue the homeschooling journey. For this group of families, it has become a matter of protecting their younger, their young ones. Uh, quotation marks, people are being vigilant about the Delta variant and the CDC regulations. They, they're already asking what activities we are doing and if anyone has heard of any programs opening up, Bernard said. Bernard, a mother of three and veteran homeschool Parents for more than a decade launched Surviving Homeschool not long after the public and public charter schools transitioned to virtual learning and amid the pandemic. Surviving Homeschool is now homeschool is now an online community of more than eight five eight thousand excuse me eight thousand five hundred families across the U.S. sharing educational resources, virtual courses, and coaching techniques. It serves as a reliable resource about homeschooling. And trip, and trip, just oh, I know how to say it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, sometimes I have a speech impediment a little bit. Um, so, including setting up a schedule, choosing curriculum, and seeking out academic um, enriching activities. I'm going to get worse because I brought it to attention. Um, as in inquiries among families increased throughout much of the summer, Bernard dedicated much of her time to flooding the surviving homeschool site with more resource, resources. She also collaborated with San Kofa Homeschool Community and Collective and other local cooperatives to find more families to serve. And she says, we're going to look for a high number of homeschoolers because of the inconsistencies we're getting from the Centers of Disease Control and American Academy of Pediatrics on masking. Bernard told the informer, all the co-ops are seeing 
people asking questions and starting to participate. So yeah, if you live in DC, you may wanna look that group up or both of those groups. So, this is this is kind of an interesting um, because, and I say it, it's interesting. Um, the, the, this is from Homeschool Legal Defense, and it says students fell behind during the pandemic. Homeschooling can help them catch up. And um, uh, it's kind of like what the homeschoolers know already, just in the world of homeschooling. I mean, when somebody starts the homeschool, we normally see that they're about, well, for students just starting the homeschool, we usually see that there's about a two year age gap um, of learning between the public school curriculum and the homeschool curriculum. So you usually have to jump you know, about two years back to build them back up to fill in any gaps that have occurred while they went public school. So the COVID-19 pandemic significantly and negatively impacted the education of millions of United States students in 2020-2021. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, homeschool legal defense put this out, but more people are being homeschooled than ever before. So I don't think it's actually a negative. I think it's a positive. Um, in response to many parents decided that they would educate their children at home, looking at recent research showing the children who continued in the public schools last up to five months of learning. These parents may feel affirmed in their decision to homeschool because their children probably would have made less academic progress had they continued in public schools. Amen. Correct. However, over other parents who more recently decided to homeschool their children after watching them fall behind last year may be wondering if they can really do a better job than the public schools at helping their children to catch up from a quick review of some key research on homeschool mythology, methodology. Excuse me. It is entirely possible that homeschooling would be the better option for achieving this goal. For many years, dissatisfaction with academic instruction at school has been a major reason why parents chose to homeschool their children. During the pandemic, the same reason apparently led millions of US parents to begin homeschooling their children for the first time when the school closed their doors and educators attempted to teach students from afar by either assigning work they needed to complete at home or providing them with virtual instruction. Many parents obviously concluded that their children not benefit from these Im improvised learning arrangements and decided to teach them at home instead. So this article goes on to discuss the lost knowledge and, and so forth of what would have happened in public school. But, and I know I'm very opinionated on this, but to me, it was a very good thing because it's less indoctrination. Um, yeah, so. Um, I'm not going to share this one just because it's kind of an older one, but 
may want to look up the washingtonexaminer.com and, and type in homeschooling is thriving in the U.S., but in France, not so much. Look that up. Um, I think it's an interesting article that you may want to look over. Um, so we're going to take another quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest-growing, video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, mm. fully accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back. This is Pamela Clark, and you're listening to the New Heights Show on Education. Okay, so the next thing that I want to share, sorry, bear with me for a moment. Um, this is from C-F-E-E, and um, they had put out an article, or, or this person by the name of Carrie McDonald put out an article titled, Community College Enrollment is on Decline, so vaccine mandates be to blame. So let's take a look at it. B.org is the website, and this was published October 30th. Community college, well, they were going to repeat that as the headline, right? So I'm just going <laughs> to jump through this. Hold on a second. Okay, so uh, this person that I was telling you, McDonald, um, wrote this about the public elementary and secondary schools aren't the only settings experience an ongoing enrollment drop this academic year. Community colleges also facing a decline similar to K-12 public schools that lost students in 2020 and continue to lose them this academic year. Many community colleges are seeing a student retreat as well. An Inside Higher Ed article this week delves deeper into the community college enrollment decline, highlighting a community college in Oregon that lost 14% of its students last year and predicted losing another 2% this fall. Instead, they've lost 20% this academic year. Why the article acknowledges that the community college colleges have been confronting confronting declining enrollment for the past decade, it quotes one administrator in a large Arizona community college system as a as really surprised in quotation. But the latest enrollment drop, the article speculates about possible reasons for the decrease, including broader economic factors caused by the coronavirus response and potential challenges of remote learning. But noticeably absent from the article interpretation is the imposition of COVID-19 vaccine mandates on students and staff in community colleges across the country. As one assistant professor at a community college here in New England told the author of this article um, that then they are asking for anonymity um, was recently my school mandated vaccines to certain students less than a week 
before classes started causing confusion and stress. Uh, students reported feeling ambushed and felt that the administration intentionally did this last minute so they did not have time to make an informed decision about vaccine, vaccine she said. I've made countless accommodations for students who want to avoid the vaccine mandates coming into play for all students or staff in January by making course substitutions so they can graduate, but it impacts some of their vocational licensure, which is diminishing their ability to work post-graduation. The effect of COVID-19 vaccine mandates on the U.S. workforce has been well documented, documented by fee colleague John Milk. Miltimore, who was written about, who has written about employees in various sectors quitting their jobs over these mandates. Students in higher education programs are also quitting over the mandate, which is particularly concerning when it involves nurses and training in a healthcare sector that is already grappling with severe staffing shortages. The community college professor I interviewed um, who indicated that the majority of her students are low income and people of color who have been generally more resistant to getting COVID-19 vaccine had added that for all the talk about equity and access in these high education programs, the vaccine mandates create enormous education hurdles. I would love to recognize the hypocrisy of ensuring access at the same time they are making literal bar barriers, she told me. She added that her students are being denied religious exemptions to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. The Nobel Prize winning economist F.A. Hayek warned us that the more the state plans, the more difficult planning becomes for the individual. This has become increasingly apparent to Americans over the past 18 months as COVID vaccine mandates, COVID-19 vaccine mandates, and related government pandemic policies have disrupted individuals' lives and livelihoods and caused more people to rely on government dictates for direction and decision-making. The community college students who are exiting their programs due to at least in part to vaccine mandates may be living their higher education plans temporary may be leaving excuse me may be leaving their higher education plans temporarily behind but they are choosing to prioritize autonomy over coercion that is a lesson worth learning and i agree So the next um, article that I have for you that I want to share, um, this is also by fee.org and it is titled, No, You Don't Need to Be Qualified to Homeschool Your Children. If you can do these three simple things, you are already qualified to be a homeschool parent. I love that. This was published November 7th. Love it. Over the years, I've heard so many parents just miss the possibility of homeschooling their children because they don't feel qualified. Does this sound familiar? 
I'm not a teacher. I'm not good at math. I wasn't good at X in school. So I could never teach my child that subject. All these assumptions stem from a fallacy. Oh my gosh, I love this person. About what education is. Remember what I told you. School and education cannot exist together. And what makes an individual qualified to be a teacher? At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offers the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Think about it. The fallacy that your ability to teach relies on your expertise on the topic you're teaching. While that may be true for selling your teaching as a service, you wouldn't make a living teaching a class in a topic that you don't understand. It's not a pre prerequisite for effectively facilitating your child's learning. Whether or not you hold a teaching certificate is an irrelevant accessory to your ability to teach. Amen. Amen. <laughs> to be an effective educator, all you need to be able to do is, you ready? Write these down. Use reference resources like books and Google. What? That's number one. You can get books from a library. Internet, you can look up any topic, right? Also use YouTube videos. I'll take this further out from what the article is going. There's so many resources online. We're living in a new age. It's more than books and even Google, right? Number two, you want to know what number two is? Find the answer to your own questions. What? Find answers to your own questions? And number three, foster a sense of curiosity in your children. Wow. If you can do those things, you're qualified to be a homeschooling parent. Now, I do have to just Take a little pin and I have to pop the balloon a little bit because there are state stipulations as well that you have to live up to. You have to have a high school diploma at least. Um, or you have to find someone that will help you that does, right? But the person that signs the diploma has to have a high school diploma. 
if you're in that situation, you can contact me. I can help you with that, okay? But number one, you don't have to know everything. You just have to be able to find the answers to your child's questions. Guess what? They can help you with that. Your child can help you find answers. I was a homeschool mom for it was like 13, 14 years. I forget now. Long time. And I told my kids from the start that if I ever told them anything that I found out later was not true, I would never lie to them. I would always go back. I would tell them if I made a mistake, because we all make mistakes, right? So, but the thing is, be honest. Don't let your ego get in the way. Don't let what you think your child should do or think get in the way. Let them shine. Let them explore. Let them explore their interests. Homeschooling is such a wonderful thing, such a beautiful thing. Um, and it, it's just when your, your child starts to love learning, that is the most rewarding thing that any of us can ask for, right? So in most cases, basic Googling skills and the ability to explore with your child is all you need to teach your children at home. Take this as an example. Your child is setting your child is setting outside in the sun drinking a cold drink and asks you why the outside of their cup is getting wet. Your reaction is simultaneously intimidation. I have no idea and interest. There might be a science lesson buried in this, right? <laughs> so now we gotta think a little bit differently, right? We have to think instead of Instead of, I don't have time, or, or this is such a silly question, stop. Take the moment. Answer the question. Look it up. Do a basic question. Come back during your school hours and really dive into the question. Explore it. So you say, I don't know, let's figure it out, right? Five minutes and some Googling later, your child has learned about condensation, the dew point, and the effects of a hot and entity meeting a cold one, right? Your child has the answer. They have the same outcome they would have received had they asked an expert. They now know why condensation forms in their cold glass. The only difference is that they got to see your process along the way, which is an asset, not a deficit, because they've learned something about finding answers to their questions. It crosses, they will be required to repeat over and over throughout their lives. Man, I just love this person who wrote this article. The, Hannah Franklin, what a fantastic article. Um, so as a parent, with the abundance of resources on the internet, YouTube, Khan Academy, I'm, I was familiar with Khan Academy right when it was coming out. I'm sure it's growing since then, so I can't really speak to that, um, too much, but there's like brain pop, you know, I love that. That is growing to a whole thing of itself, a, 
again. I mean, it's um, back when brain pop started when we were homeschooling. I mean, it was in the midst of our homeschooling and it was all free and easily accessible and all that. Now, you know, it's like site memberships and I think they've incorporated Common Core in it though. You may want to check that out. Um, but it, it was a, it was a really great thing back when we were doing stuff. But um, as long as you know how to find an answer to a question, even if it's going to pick out a dictionary, encyclopedia or something, um, which every adult who can Google does, you can facilitate your child's learning on this, any topic at all. Okay. So uh, number two, one of the key skills children need to develop is the ability to find answers to their own questions. The ability to answer, to find answers to the questions has always been very important, but it's especially so in the information age. As Einstein said, never memorize what you can look up in books. The answer is almost any question that has been answered by man is available at your fingertips. The key to a useful education one that sets a child up for a lifetime of success is not memorizing text, but rather learning how to ask the right questions and learning how to find the answers. Again, love this person. What a terrific article. Einstein again, the value of a college education is not the learning of many facts, but the training of the mind to think. Amen. This is true not only in college, but of education in general. If your child knows how to think, how to formulate their curiosities into questions, and how to answer those questions, they will be able to learn anything they need to, and at any point in time for their entire lives. That skill transcends the value of a standardized education because it's a skill that can be used to learn anything covered in a standardized education and anything else you will ever want to learn. Time and time again, I've watched homeschool children quickly catch up to and surpass their peers on a given subject or skill set because they understood how to adapt and learn. Amen. I'm going to keep saying amen, right? <laughs> when you're working with your children to find answers to their questions, you're implicitly helping them build this skill and equipping them for a lifetime of learning. Number three, we're on three again. A child's education is largely predicted on their natural curiosity. Public school fucks that right out of them. But children are naturally wired to learn. The next generation proclivity to learn is a critical part of our survival as a species and hardwired accordingly. Every time a child mimics an adult, play acts the real world, like playing store, ask the questions, you're watching this natural wiring and action, the natural proclivity to learn works to your advantage of home, a homeschooling parent. All you have to do is nurture it. And homeschooling allows you to do that far more effectively than regular school does. My first foray into teaching Right after I graduated high school, I was instructing writing classes. I worked with both homeschool and public school students. 
The difference between the two was startling. The homeschool students were curious, excited, and fun to work with. I was teaching them how to write fiction, and they didn't require much prompting. I gave them a challenge each week, and they, and that was all the encouragement they needed. I had students practically tripping over themselves each week to show me what they'd written when they were at the home and between classes. I uh, witnessed that myself as director of NHEG. Uh, back to our article. Their joy in learning was alive. All I had to do was direct their natural curiosity and let them run with it. Working with public school students was an entirely different story. I was working with full grade range, first grade all the way into high school, and I felt stark relief. Their natural curiosity slowly dying. Have you have you seen it in your own kids? Why is that? Don Taylor Gatto explains it all. Back to the article. The first to third graders were hungry and alone. The fourth, sixth graders required some prodding. But after some explanation and encouragement, could start to have fun. But by the time the students hit middle school, their interest in learning was gone. Nothing I tried could make them excited. They were there because they had to be. They were watching the clock, waiting until they could go. Learning had become compulsory requirement, not an endeavor stemming from desire. I've witnessed that, people, over and over and over. School doesn't foster curiosity. It kills it. When it rules its rigid structure, its obsession with right and wrong answers, and it punishes its punishments for deviating off course, it doesn't leave any room for curiosity. With all that unnatural structure absent, a child's natural curiosity remains intact. And when a child is left to their own devices and allowed to learn or to lean onto their curiosity, a parent's biggest job is helping to direct it. Despite common belief, all of this applies to homeschooling your high schooler too. So I'm going to say though, and there's so many ways you can homeschool, and it's really up to each person. And like this person, she says that she's had countless parents tell her that they couldn't homeschool through high school, and I just know that crazy it's it's so it's very untrue very 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 untrue and and i mean you can unschool and stuff like that but they do need a base they need a base knowledge so i tell everybody that comes to me no matter the the, the grade the age that they're in unless they're a, a phenomenal speller um i i suggest you guys take the natural speller which is free through our site and you can purchase the book separate, of course. But um, 
we have an online class for it. Natural speller, kinesthetic learning, the way to go every time. Teaching textbooks. Um, there's so many wonderful things. Start with always building from the beginning. Even if it seems too easy for your student, because you have to build them up so there is no gaps. There's no memorization. Okay, take, take that out of the equation. And I have proof that what she is saying is the case. What, what is my proof? Well, the Heights Educational Group has had certified instructors, but more than not, we've had tutors that were not certified. Maybe they were high schoolers that were very gifted and knew a subject very well. Maybe they were an adult that was in college, maybe didn't go to college. You know what I discovered a long time ago? There's no difference in the outcome. None. Zip. Zero. It doesn't matter if they're certified or not. So why is that? Ask yourself that question. Why? Because teachers are being trained to indoctrinate as they have been indoctrinated. Unless they're going to a very special college that teaches the opposite of it. Think about what I said. So what other proof do I have other than my word? Go on our website and learn about it. We have won more awards for our education program than any nonprofit on the planet. Try to find one. Prove me wrong. We are recognized globally for what we have accomplished. Because we don't fit the norm. We feed the hunger, but we don't fit the norm. So with that, I'm going to end this show. I know I've given you a lot to think about. We wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving. And... Um, don't forget to um, listen in on Ta Tibet show every Friday, 6 p.m. And uh, thanks for listening to the New Heights Show on Education. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.